The content of this podcast is only intended for HCPs, and the views expressed in this podcast are those of the presenters. Welcome to our podcast series, Looking Back to Look Forward, the Impact of the Environment on Fungal Infections. In episode one of our series, we will talk about a truly fascinating, and I have to say also threatening topic, namely the expanding threat of endemic mycosis. My name is Martin Hönigel. I'm an associate professor for translational mycology at the Medical University of Graz in Austria. And it's really my special pleasure and privilege to welcome Anna Alastru Izquierdo to this podcast. Anna has obtained her PhD in 2009 and is currently a research scientist at the Spanish National Center for Microbiology in Madrid, Spain. Anna has really been a driving force in the field of clinical mycology out of a One Health perspective over the recent decade. She's truly a great person and leader in the field and is the current chair of AFISC, which is the mycology branch of the European Society for Clinical Microbiology and Infectious Diseases. She's also involved in other societies, including the European Confederation of Medical Mycology, and has lately really been centrally involved in some of the most important global initiatives to fight fungal infections, including the Global Action Fund to Fight Fungal Infections, GAFI. And even more recently, she has been more and more involved in WHO initiatives focusing on clinical mycology and has been one of the central persons also to create um, the fungal priority list, which has been published last year. I'm really incredibly looking forward to welcome Anna here at this podcast and hear about her insights, how endemic mycosis will be threatening most of us and what we can do about it. Anna, how are you doing today? Hi, Martin. Thanks very much for the nice introduction. I'm very happy uh, to be here and uh, looking forward to discuss a little bit about this interesting and fascinating topic. Thanks so much. Really super happy to have you. So let's start maybe broad, Anna, for our listeners. Uh, can you maybe explain to us what are endemic mycosis and what makes them really a global health concern? Very important question, Martin. Yeah, endemic mycosis are uh, fungal infections caused by specific fungi that are naturally present in certain geographical regions. Um, these infections are usually acquired by inhaling fungal spores in the environment. And they are specifically interesting because they exhibit a temperature dimorphism. They are a yeast at 37 and a mold at 25 degrees in the environment. So, and another important factor is that in contrast with other species, they are able to cause disease in healthy hosts. Thanks, Anna. So this really explains why this could potentially be a threat for most of us because mm -hmm. they can actually also infect healthy hosts. So what are common endemic mycosis across different regions of our world? So the, this is also quite uh, tricky. Um, classically, there has been blastomyces, coccidioides, histoplasma, and paracoccidioides. Uh, these four classic endemic mycosis that are primarily also being able to cause infections in immunocompetent hosts. But lately, there are a couple of species, emergomyces and, and talaromyces, that have been described and also are within this group. And also sporotrix, uh, which is an important pathogen causing outbreaks in many, uh, in several American countries are uh, being considered also endemic mycosis. 
They usually coxy and paracoxy are mainly restricted to the Americas, while blasto and isto, they are also in the Americas and Africa. And there has been cases also in Europe, Asia. So despite being endemic mycosis, uh, they are also in other places. Thalaromyces is in a problem in Southeast Asia and emergomyces in mainly South Africa. And as I said, uh, Sporo has been described in all continents, but is causing public health problems in Brazil with uncontrolled outbreaks, expanding uh, throughout the cats uh, and other companion animals uh, in addition to human infections. Thanks, Anna, for emphasizing. It really depends where you live currently, which yeah. um, endemic mycosis you're threatened um, with. So there's numerous different endemic mycosis around the world. But you also mentioned that dimorphism and that to some extent they are dependent on temperature. So one of the questions we are asking ourselves, obviously, we are living in times of changing temperature, of uh, global warming. And um, how has in these times the incidence of endemic mycosis changed? And really what factors, you know, global warming, but also what other factors has, have contributed to that change? Yeah, this is an um, important uh, question and many uh, maybe difficult to answer. It's clear that the numbers are rising, uh, but it's not only due to the increase in the infected individuals, probably. It's also due to better clinical awareness, despite still not being in the best shape. And we really need a lot of better trained professionals, but it's uh, it's improving. Um, there's, this disease has no specific sins and symptoms, so they mimic other common diseases as TB. So it's very difficult to really have a, a clear definition. And also there is improvement on diagnostic tools, which also has helped in uh, increasing the numbers. And as you said, the expanding of their ecological regions, because uh, the true range of endemic mycosis has been recently questioned, and uh, there has been reports describing these pathogens outside uh, their known endemic regions uh, with increasing frequency. That up to 10% of these infections are currently diagnosed outside the traditional region of endemicity. Um, there is uh, several potential reasons to this shift, as you said. Uh, it's not only the increased uh, uh, people are at risk, uh, but also improved diagnostics, increased disease recognition, and uh, global factors such as um, uh, migration, travel, and as you said, cli climate change. Uh, there has been a, a report in which they've seen that the, the droughts in, in the U.S. have been re, uh, related with increasing number of coccidioides, for example. But also, despite being like more than 1.5 million fungal species exist, only a few hundreds are able to cause human infections. And, and one of the reasons is that they are usually not able to grow at 37 degrees. Uh, however, Fungi are very adaptive, so the, there is an increasing concern that global, global warming can push some of these species to survive in higher temperatures, being therefore at some point able to shift to become human pathogens. And it's uh, therefore not only the ecological niches that could be expanded due to climate change, but also that non-pathogenic species could become pathogenic, uh, increasing their thermotolerance. 
So yeah, it's a, a matter of concern, and and this expanding regions it's uh, important because trained professionals are usually lacking in endemic regions, but they are almost even more lacking in in outside the endemic regions. Thank you so much for emphasizing also coccidoidomycosis, which we know mm. is dependent or likes it hot and dry and actually has been expanding its region across the United States and the Americas um, over the last decades and is predicted yeah. to do so even more um, over the next decades to come. Yeah. I think another important topic that comes into mind there is, you know, obviously climate change is also leading to an increase of natural disasters. I mean, mm -hmm. most plainly starting off with wildfires, obviously, that occur more frequently in a world that gets hotter and drier. So is there any interaction between wildfires and potentially um, infections by these endemic mycosis? Yeah, yeah, as well. They have been linked with that uh, wildfires and increasing number of, and also not only with wildfires, but many other uh, natural disasters, for example, also tornado when it happens in the US, it was linked to different uh, fungal species. In this case, it was not endemic mycosis, but other uh, mycosis. So these fungal infections are really linked with natural disasters and, and with the increasing number of events in, in this regard. Uh, we have to be more aware of the possibility of these infections to happen more frequently. Thank you. What I found particularly fascinating is about the wildfires, that not only the yeah. firefighters fighting the wildfires yeah. are threatened, but it seems also with the clouds and the smoke, these, um, these fungal pathogens get into urban areas where there are not enough trees to have fires there, but you have the smoke there. And this alone, there has been a recent report, may lead to an increase of um, admissions due to some of these mycosis. So I think that's definitely something we need to observe further as the world is burning more and more in many parts. Yeah, as um, you said, uh, they are, you inhale the spores and, and that's the main root of, of, of the disease. So of course, everything that spreads around uh, it's an in uh, risk and as you said that uh, this is fascinating these uh, fires and and how is this exploring but probably the biggest problem is we know only a little of all these things so we really need to do a lot and understand much more what we need to know I fully agree, Anna, and you know, we are very thankful for all your initiatives, you know, very working on a worldwide, raising the awareness um, about these fungal infections um, and learning also more, doing research to learn more. So you are living also in Madrid in Spain, which when we talk about Europe is definitely one of the hotter and also drier places. Um, we talked a lot about coccidoidomycosis, which is in the Americas, but are there other fungal infections, maybe even some that may occur in Europe as autochthonous cases um, or in Spain or in Madrid where um, you are currently working? Yeah, actually, there has been several uh, reports describing histoplasma cases that has not been related to travel. So there is a still a lot to understand that there. But uh, yeah, there are cases in Europe from these endemic mycosis that seem to be outside the endemic areas, but are more frequently being reported. So there is a lot to understand. And as we know, probably it's the problem is that we don't know the real burden of diseases. Uh, these are not reportable 
Usually infections, uh, we don't have uh, very good uh, diagnostics in some cases. And also, as we said, clinical awareness is a matter of concern. So I think to take a step back and don't get our audience too much frightened, I think we have to mm -hmm. emphasize that, of course, everybody can get sick and everybody can get sick with endemic mycosis. But at the same time, the probability to really get sick or have life-threatening infection is depending on a number of factors. So not everybody has an equal risk for that. Can you elaborate a little bit on the risk factors for endemic mycosis and how they really differ from opportunistic um, fungal infections? Yeah, that, that's very important. Despite these infections, it's important to know that they cause disease in healthy individuals. So it's really, this is the biggest difference from the other fungal infections. But uh, so being in the, the environmental exposure to spores are the main risk factor in this case. So people who spend a lot of time outdoors in endemic areas, uh, activities as farming, construction, hiking, speleology is also something because histoplasma are usually in the caves and uh, with the bats. So there has been a couple of outbreaks related with expelliology and so on. So this increased exposure to fungal spores in healthy population is what is a main risk factor. But where there is a real problem with this endemic mycosis is usually in HIV and AIDS uh, populations. So we, for example, did this, this project in Guatemala with GAFI, in which uh, we screened over 6,000 patient, HIV patients uh, for crypto, uh, histo, and TB. And we saw that uh, histoplasmosis was more frequent than TB in this population. So it's really hyperendemic regions are very full of uh, these uh, infections and it's mainly in immunocompromised population where it can really be a life-threatening disease and uh, and risk factors as otherwise the same as the other mycosis weak immune systems are usually the the, the biggest or the the biggest uh, risk uh, but yes yeah, we said mainly environmental exposure and this kind of um of uh, exposure to spores in a specific regions where they are more prevalent are uh, the difference in risk factor with the other uh, fungal infections. Fantastic. So you mentioned that you also are, I know that you also are involved in some of the initiatives of worldwide diagnostics and making diagnostics more available around the world. So the next question really relates to the unspecific signs and symptoms you mentioned before that are often seen in patients infected with this endemic mycosis. So how can really clinicians um, improve their ability to diagnose endemic mycosis in their patients? Yeah, this is a very important, Martin. Uh, mainly these infections are diagnosed based on culture uh, from the involved sites. Uh, this is the gold standard, but we know it's insensitive. Also, it, it's, it takes up to six weeks to grow. They need to be managing BSL-3 uh, and, and the microscopic appearance of these agents, despite being quite prosthetic, this needs laboratory expertise. So there are non-invasive diagnostic tests uh, available for the majority of these organisms, although the sensitivity and the specificity of this testing varies. So um, as, as you said, in October last year, the fungal priority pathogen list by WHO was released. 
and several gaps were detected that are linked with this and uh, diagnostics and it's like we really need to improve education that's that's really key in all uh, levels of uh, healthcare workers we have to include fungal infections in the curricula on, in all levels so people is really aware because this how it usually works is you go uh, you have an infection you go a couple of rounds on antibiotics they are not responding and then is a fungal infection suspected so it's really a, a stewardship problem as well you know so this and and so educate professionals uh, to really being able to think about fungal infections to me it's the most important tool and then second secondly probably we need to increase the access to diagnostics as we said there are um, and there are uh, uh, diagnostics available for non-invasive diagnostics like uh, urine antigen for histoplasma or there is also an several serology tests uh, you can also elevate ELISA so there are different uh, techniques but the problem is that they are not accessible in many countries where they are endemic so one of the things that also the WHO fungal priority list uh, highlighted is that we need to improve access availability to diagnostics uh, of this and we need to improve also in some cases uh, develop diagnostics that are sensitive specific and cheap and easy to use in in these places Thanks for emphasizing, Anna, the need, especially in low resource countries, for mm -hmm. you know better diagnostics. So even the same diagnostics that we have, you know, because they're not available, of course, worldwide. And also to tell our listeners, Anna is really involved in a number of initiatives um, to make a difference there and get these diagnostics now and in the future to the places where many of these endemic mycosis are seen. So, are there any other key public health strategies um, for preventing and controlling endemic mycosis in the endemic areas? I think um, this is very tricky. Uh, surveillance data is, is really lacking. So I think uh, we are improving in this uh, field, but we really need to implement adequate surveillance programs and data worldwide, but especially in low resource settings where these diseases are occurring, because it's very difficult to estimate the burden of disease and also to characterize the geographic distribution. So um, in some cases, these best diagnostic tests are not widely available. So diagnosis requires a high index of, of suspicion. So trained professionals, educate, educate healthcare workers are key in all levels, as we said, of medical education. Improve access to diagnostics is also, these are like quite straightforward things that everybody would think, but they're really a problem and still we need to improve a lot there. So, and also, as we said, develop cheap, sensitive, specific and fast uh, diagnostics that are accessible throughout the world and specifically in these regions are important facts that, that, that need to be improved to, to, in, in, uh, to, to get uh, these uh, infections on control of these infections. Thanks so much, Anna, for guiding us through the topic. And I think the roadmap you just painted on how we can approach this in the future and how we can fight these endemic mycosis in the future is really a perfect way um, to end this episode. 
again, Anna, thanks for visiting us. Um, I really think this was marvelous, um, gave us a very important insights into this field and the urgency also to do something against the climate change in general, of course, but also specifically against um, endemic mycosis threatening um, many of us humans, specifically humans in low and low resource countries. And of course, as you mentioned, immunocompromised individuals. Thank you for listening. My name is Martin. I hope this podcast sparked your interest in clinical mycology. And I'm already looking forward to welcome you all at the next episode of this Looking Back to Look Forward podcast series on the impact of the environment on fungal infections. Mandy Farmer has sponsored the content and owns all rights, including all copyright, in this recording. This recording and any link to it may not be changed, supplemented or redistributed without the express written consent of Mondi Farmer.